Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. At Merck Animal Health, we're shaping the future of animal health with pioneering science, connected technology, and insights-driven solutions to bring our customers an unparalleled portfolio of choices to improve cattle care and operational efficiency. We support you and your legacy by helping you meet the challenges of today with the innovations of tomorrow. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. We're gonna have a great show today. We're gonna to talk about replacement heifers, uh, heifer development, and much, much more with Dr. Jason Warner at Kansas State University. He is their cow-calf extension specialist. Please stay tuned and we're glad you joined us. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. We have a special guest today, Dr. Jason Warner, who's an assistant professor here at Kansas State University in the Department of Animal Sciences and Industry. And he is an extension cow-calf specialist and is so great to have you on show. And we're so glad you're at K-State. Dr. Thompson, thanks for the opportunity to be here. It's great to visit with you today. Appreciate it very much. You bet. Uh, it's been been a, a long time coming, getting a person in this position, and a lot of us are excited within the state and very thankful that you chose to work with us and the producers. Great things are going to come from from Jason and his program, and, and we're really excited to be here. So thanks again. Well, appreciate it. Thanks for the compliment. And we have a tremendous amount of very, very wonderful producers across the state that are uh, some of the top tier beef cattle producers in, in the country. And, and it's, it's wonderful to have the opportunity to serve those folks and, and serve them through our extension and, and our research missions that we have here at Kansas State and, and uh, looking forward to what the future holds. You bet. Certainly. You bet. So we're going to talk about, um, you know, we're, the, the, the cycle that we're in with the beef industry. We're going to talk about people are now looking to start rebuilding the cow herd. And, and uh, it's, it sounds simple you know, just retain heifers, right? But uh, right. there's a few things with the feed prices and how much these cattle are worth and, and that, that that you really have to consider. I think it's safe to say that we are in a time period now uh, within the industry that is really, I would say, unforeseen uh, for most of the producers, uh, not only around the state here within Kansas, but across the country as well. Uh, just the the increase in, in cattle prices that we've seen, particularly last uh, four or five months, uh, coupled with some of the challenges that we've we've had around the country with regards to drought and feed prices and and that sort of thing. Um, but but certainly we've got a very I would say mixed bag of of conditions uh, that producers are are going to be working through here over the next several months and and making some key some key decisions when it comes to you know, do we do we go ahead and pull the trigger on keeping more of these females back and expanding our numbers with the idea that we're looking at fairly high calf prices going into the, the foreseeable future. Uh, so I think a lot of things that are certainly on the on the forefront of people's minds here as we come into the time of the year where a lot of people are going to be making replacement heifer selection decisions. Um, just a lot of variable conditions for folks to be navigating through certainly this year. Yeah. So when, when you start out and someone says, Hey, <laughs> Dr. Warner, uh, you know, we've only been retaining 10, 20%. We're thinking about retaining 50% of our heifers this year. What, what do you, how do you start that conversation? <laughs> yeah, I, I think number one is can we cash flow it, right? Yep. You know, because if we decide to go ahead and keep that many females back, 
Uh, are they going to be part of a yearling enterprise for us potentially next year? You know, one of the challenges with, with replacement heifers, it's two years before she brings a, a profit back for us, or at least a cash income back for us uh, from the investment that we make into her, unless we sell her as, a, as an open female that, that first breeding season. And so those are some things we've got to keep in mind there. And then it's, to me, it's looking at our feed resources, balancing that uh, with the needs of our cow herd and, and can we make that really balance well for what the overall cow herd's gonna need, both from a grazed forage resource standpoint and harvest forage resource standpoint as well. Great information, uh, great things to think about. We're gonna have a great show today. Dr. Jason Warner, we'll be right back after these messages. DNA Dialogue is brought to you by Igenity Beef, powered by Neogen. I think that probably the most important trait for any commercial producer to think about when they're doing genetic selection is stability. So stability is how long do we expect a cow to stay in the herd, right? Our economist friends tell us that a cow has to reach this age of about six years old before she becomes profitable. So in that case, right, she's recouped the costs of her development, she's recouped her annual maintenance costs, and only then does that cow start to be profitable. The good news about stability is that it's genetically heritable, right? It's one of these lowly heritable traits, so um, somewhere between 10 and 20% heritable, but it's probably one of the most important economic traits to a commercial cow herd. So if we can find bulls that will make cows that stay in our herd longer, um, we ultimately are a, a more profitable operation. So stability is the most important trait for a commercial cow herd to keep their eye on. Feel the use of genomics for cattle producers will be more widespread than we're seeing it now. I, I think we're just in the beginning stages of it. And I think a lot of people just see the side of the replacement females and increasing the predictability and future use of your females because we all know the cost that it takes to develop those in, into a cow. The large side of it that folks miss out on is the use of genomics to predict the product that they're making every year and in that I mean their calves. The feed yards are constantly after a more predictable product, a more predictable days on feed, a more predictable outcome on the rail, through genomics we're able to accomplish a lot faster what used to take multiple generations. Igenity Beef, contact your Neogen Territory Manager to test today. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson with Dr. Jason Warner. He is the Cow-Calf Extension Specialist for the state of Kansas here at Kansas State University. Tremendous resource. Um, for you if you have cow-calf operations and beyond, he's, he's, he's got feedlot experiences as well. But when we're retaining these heifers, Jason, um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what kind of programs we're, we're going to start out putting them in. Big thing that we got to keep in mind is can we develop these females regardless of how we're going to do it, if it's going to be in a, in a typical extensive uh, grazing situation, if we turn those females out and let them grow and develop after the after weaning uh, up until the time of breeding 
or if we're gonna maybe feed those females in a in a total mixed ration situation maybe a dry lot type of a situation however that looks for you is is okay how big are these females at weaning time what's our target weight that we're going to develop them to at that first service at at uh at the start of the breeding season and understanding okay what kind of gain do we need to have them on during that that time of the of the year i think that's really really critical sounds real simple but it's a lot of thing it's it's one thing i think a lot of producers can generally speaking overlook and and maybe we don't pay close enough attention to um you know i think in the in the past you know there's been a lot of information and data that would suggest that you know, getting those heifers up to maybe 65, 66% of their mature weight, uh, expected mature weight at, at, at first breeding is, is where we need to have, have those females be from a weight standpoint in order to have a high percentage of them cycling and a high percentage get bred in that first service. But there, there's more, more recent data over the last 10 to 15 years that would suggest that where these heifers are maybe hitting maturity uh, and puberty a little bit earlier than what they have in the past, um, maybe we don't necessarily have to develop those heifers quite so big. And so I think you got to understand where your cow herd is from a weight standpoint and, and see what's, a, what's an appropriate target frame for you to be at. Uh, and, and really it comes back to developing your program uh, such that you can put, put the weight on those females and do it in a least cost manner. Because right now, if, if a replacement heifer, if she's maybe going to have a, a value of 14, 15, maybe $1,600 a head just in her initial cost, her value. Yep. But if we've got six, $700 of development costs in her from the time now until we get her uh, to this point next year, that's a sizable initial bill that we've got on that female. And so it's, a, again, it goes back to just knowing what our feed resources are, trying to make a smart decision with that, try to keep our cost as low as we can, but yet make sure that we're developing those heifers right. Uh, so that they hit puberty at the right time and that they're cycling at a, at a proper uh, percentage as they go into the go into that first breeding season. And we see we're seeing bigger and bigger cows. Yeah. And yeah. So as the cows get bigger and, and our, you know, our fed cattle are bigger going to slaughter. Yep. Um, we're just dealing with some some bigger animals. And so what you may have thought your cows weighed might not be what they weigh. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's having a really good handle on what that actual mature weight base is of your cow herd is really critical when we, when we come in to start making these, making these decisions. Um, we, we can, we can really kind of drive that needle one way or the other. I, I've seen some situations where folks have, you know, we've developed those heifers maybe too big. Maybe we've, we've, uh, put too much daily gain on them going into the breeding season and and taking it the other way too we know that we we've got to make sure that we're bringing them along quick enough as well too so Perfect. things we got to keep in mind great information uh on how to grow those heifers and 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 points in time along the way getting them bred uh we're going to come back to dr warner here after these messages you're watching doc talk and we're sure glad you joined us Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Jason Warner. He is the cow-calf extension specialist for the state of Kansas. Big job, a lot of cows here, a lot of great producers that I'm sure are extremely excited to have you here uh, to work with, especially with, with your knowledge base. You, you spend a lot of time in industry. It's not, it's not one of those things that you just learned it from a book, you've been out doing it. 
Right, right. And, and seeing, seeing a lot of different uh, types of operations, approaches uh, that folks can take uh, with, with not only their cow herds, but their operations and their businesses in general. Uh, and that's, that's one of the best ways to learn. Yep, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about managing those heifers around the time of breeding and some of the things that you, some of the things you're looking out for and, and making sure people do so we can keep those heifers bred. Well, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, and, and talked previously about, you know, developing those females up to a, a proper percentage of their mature weight going into that first service, that first breeding time. Uh, but one thing that I think is important is we want to make sure that we're not, you know, changing our program, you know, whether that's a, a total mixed ration program or a supplementation program, you know, so quickly where we're really changing plane of nutrition on those females really quickly going right ahead into the breeding season, you know, maybe the last, you know, three weeks to four weeks ahead of that breeding season and, and taking those females in a negative plane of nutrition. Uh, we, we know that that is important because that can certainly have some, some ramifications on uh, overall uh, uh, maternal recognition of pregnancy and yeah. for that, that embryo to, uh, to really uh, uh, conceive and, and, uh, and make sure we don't have any you know, early, early abortions or, or anything like that. Uh, but then also too, you know, one thing that we we keep we want to keep in mind with folks is that um, oftentimes, especially with folks, if they're developing those females, say through the fall and winter months in a dry lot situation or in a pen fed situation, uh, and then all, all of a sudden, if we're breeding them in in April or May, we're getting ready to go out to grass, right? Because grass is starting to come on at that point. You know, okay, if we make the decision, we're going to turn those females out. How quickly can we do that uh, from the time when we when we AI them, if that's what our program yep. is? Um, can we can we experience some unintended, maybe early embryonic loss uh, or failure to failure to conceive there in some of those situations by turning those females out because all of a sudden now they've got to go out and exercise and and uh, and and hustle for their forage, hustle for their groceries. Uh, but then also too, their plant of nutrition may not be staying with them, depending on what the forage quality base is relative to what they were developed on. So those are some key things I think we always want to be thinking about um, is do we maybe need to think about supplementing those females more gradually at the start of the breeding season? Uh, uh, for, at, especially you mean like leading up or, or right. coming out? Right, right. Yeah. Leading up to the start of that breeding season, yep. and then maybe for the first two or three weeks after the start of that breeding season, especially if we're going to turn those females out. Um, and, and certainly if, if we're going from a pretty high plane of nutrition down to a low plane of nutrition, depending on where forage quality is, that's certainly something to, something to keep in mind, depending on weight and body condition of those females. So and just, I mean, just saving two. Right from being aborted is you know is 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 worth all the supplement absolutely that you're going to put out absolutely with these prices and the right. way things are in this market right right and the other part of it too is is we we want folks to be thinking about okay when you're when you're to this this stage of development on these females um, you know if you've got some females that that if you run a shorter breeding season anyway. Um, you know, your, your overall conception rates on the, on that particular group of females might be a little bit shorter if you only breed them for 40 days. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Those females that, that you don't get pregnant during that time period, you know, are they, a, are they a, a benefit for you when it comes to, to selling them later on as a yearling, be able yeah. to recoup that cost? Absolutely. Well, answer to that is yes. Um, we right. will take them all right Yeah, now. <laughs> right, right, right. Certainly with the pen space that we're going to have, yep. there's going to be a need for those big heifers. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 
Yep. Folks, it's been a great show. We have one more segment. We're very thankful to have Dr. Jason Warner. We'll be right back. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Jason Warner. And Dr. Warner is the cow-calf extension specialist for Kansas. And it's a big state with a lot of cows and a lot of good producers. And, and uh, he's a tremendous success and very thankful to have you here. Well, appreciate the opportunity. It's great to visit with you as always. Lots of good topics and ideas going on in the industry right now. And lots of things we can always cover. Unfortunately, we just don't have time for all of it. That's right. You got to prioritize. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about, you know, we talked about turnout on those heifers after we AI transporting and, and low stress cattle handling is probably pretty important too. It really is. It really is because we know that stress can inherently interfere with the ability for those females to conceive. Uh, that's an important consideration. Lots of folks, depending on how they're structured uh, with where they're maybe uh, developing those females, where their crowds and their pens are, uh, where they're going to be breeding, if they're going to AI, and, and uh, if they're going to be breeding those females and hauling them out to grass right away at the start of the summer or late spring, depending on when that time frame is. Um, you know, there's, there's some evidence there that stress right around the time of maternal recognition and pregnancy, anywhere from about day 12 out to maybe day 18 or so after insemination when that occurs, uh, that can certainly decrease or hinder pregnancy rates, and, and that's something we want folks to be keeping in mind. So, you know, good practice, good recommendation is if you're going to be breeding these females, uh, you know, try to get a move when, if you AI them, okay, let's say you do a fixed time AI on them, get a moved within that first seven days, yeah. maybe eight days or so up prior to that point, try to do your transport if you're going to be you're going to be hauling those females, putting them on a trailer and hauling them. If you're going to be moving them, try to do it at that point. Uh, otherwise, if you get into that window, if you're going to be much past about 10 days or so, 10 days to, to maybe two weeks, you want to avoid doing a lot of handling with those females if you don't necessarily have to do that. So waiting at that point, if management will allow you to do that, it's something to keep in mind. It's so important. And, and so... So we get them transported. We've got we've either kicked them out on grass, taken them to wherever it is we're going to winter them, uh, you know, or or summer pasture or, yep. or whatever. What are some of the things that you're thinking about with with maintaining these heifers um, between now and that having that first calf? They still got a growth requirement, Doctor Thompson, and that's one thing we got to keep in mind is that those females are going to continue to grow out at least till they're about age three to four. Yeah. So that you know that first year when they're a year and a half uh, coming up to two years of age, those females are still growing. Most times we don't think about a lot of summertime supplementation outside of salt and mineral because protein and energy is usually there. Um, but if we get into a situation of forage quality and quantity is limiting really need to be watching body condition score on those females uh, that that uh, you know last 90 days to 120 days prior to the start of, of calving is going to be really important for us uh, make sure that we're keeping body condition at acceptable rate and, and on those females you know uh, mature females we usually want to see them be at a body condition score five or better at calving uh, first calf females, we want them to be at a body condition score six. The data would say on average, that's where we need to have them be. So we got to be thinking about our supplementation late, uh, late gestation uh, coming into that time period. That's going to be really critical for us. 
they're still growing. We got to keep all those things in mind. And it may not be as uh, that that you don't get a live calf, but they don't rebreed. Right. Right. I mean, that can be part of it, correct? That's that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So that early embryonic loss, you know, there there's different time periods where that can occur, certainly, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and so we gotta be keeping all those things in mind. Absolutely. Yep. Sure. Yep. Well, you've certainly uh given us a lot of good information today and I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Well, you're... thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's a joy to visit with you. You <laughs> bet. Likewise. Folks, Dr. Jason Warner. Thanks for watching Doc Talk. Remember, if you want to find out what we do at Doc Talk, you can find us on the web at www.doctalktv.com. Always work with your local veterinarian and local nutritionist. And with Dr. Jason Warner, I'm Dr. Dan Thompson, and we'll see you down the road. At Merck Animal Health, we're shaping the future of animal health with pioneering science, connected technology, and insights-driven solutions to bring our customers an unparalleled portfolio of choices to improve cattle care and operational efficiency. We support you and your legacy by helping you meet the challenges of today with the innovations of tomorrow.